Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church. We pray that you are encouraged and enriched as you press on towards the cause of Christ. You ever get frustrated by those games uh, when I was a kid? I was a Nintendo freak. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, uh, my brother gives me a great compliment and said I was, you know, one of the best Mario Brother players he'd ever met. But I remember when I was a kid, um, we didn't have those save features. I mean, they eventually came along. But when you go back to like the original Nintendo, you had to play these games straight through. And uh, sometimes at night, we play those games all through the night, make it to the last level, you know, accomplish all the tasks and beat all the different bosses. And then but we had to go to school. So we would put the game on pause, hide the controller and then turn off the TV and then we'd go to school and we just couldn't wait to get home to take on that last boss. And we, me and my brother, we'd get home, then we'd turn on the TV, and to our horror, the TV would just be all jumbled up. Somebody kicked the system. Somebody hit the Nintendo and messed up the game. We didn't have the save feature. Uh, so we, were, we had to start all the way back at the beginning. And this is what happens in our life and in our ministry when our focus is in Christ. God has a way of hitting the reset button so many times. It's amazing, but th this is good. This isn't for your discouragement. This is, I want you to be encouraged. God's grace and mercy has a way of hitting reset in your life. So many times we've gone out on our own pursuing things and chasing things down. And at some point in our life, you might be confronted with the fact that all the work, all the striving, all the effort, everything that you've done, in actuality may have been in your own power. It may have been your own dreams. It may have been your own desires. And God in his mercy, hear me, in his mercy has a way at times of gracefully hitting the reset button, letting you start back, letting, letting things play out for a season only to find yourself. You've been circling the desert, uh, playing things out only to find like the disciples when they recognized that Jesus had been crucified, all their hopes and dreams for what they thought was gonna happen was also crucified on that cross as well. It took a massive reset and the, the resurrection to reset the dreams and the vision and the hope and the passion of the disciples. So even in the reset, you're not losing momentum. Even in the reset, you're still making progress because life's not a game. I'm gonna be reading out of 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 15. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're of sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Father, bless us as we hear your word. Change us, 
Transform us that will look different for your glory and honor. Amen. Paul is teaching us that ministry can't be person-centered. I know that's controversial. That's a shocking thing for me to say. Pastor Aaron, I thought ministry was all about people. What in the world are you talking about? Is that really what the Bible teaches? It's really, is, is ministry really about people? Now hear me. I don't want us to get uh, confused. You can't confuse the byproduct of ministry and, and your mission for the mission. Let me say that again. Don't confuse the byproduct of ministry and the mission for the ministry and the mission. Touching lives is a byproduct of the love for Jesus. It has to be touching Jesus. Man, and in touching Jesus, Jesus then touches through us. Otherwise, the church becomes nothing more than some type of a glorified social system. See, your ministry should not be people-centric. I know this is, this is like controversial to say, but your ministry can't be people-centric. Your ministry has to be Christ-centric. Well, I'm not in ministry. Listen, ministry isn't being on a worship team and being on a pulpit and being in kids' ministry. I'm talking about the mission of your life, the ministry the mission, the missional mindset. Too many times we've ventured out to meet the human tangible need and it's needed, oh my God's graces, it's needed. But what's the core? What's the reason? That's what I wanna talk about today because your effectiveness in people's lives should always be the byproduct of your intimacy with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it's gotta be Christ doing the touching. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. You've heard this. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So here's what I hope you will take away today. Now, I know you're gonna take away because this is a word from heaven straight to your spirit. Unless Jesus is truly at the center of your life, life will chew you up, spit you out and leave you with regrets. But if you let the love of God really find a home in your heart, then all the things that were meant to wreck you, anything that comes across your path, I'm talking about people with a bad attitude, I'm talking about situations that don't work out the way you expected them to, what was meant to ruin and wreck and get you off course, all of a sudden it becomes your beautiful testimony as you overcome it. Your story is written as you overcome the challenges that life will throw at you. Because remember, your faith is not an inoculation to difficulty. Your faith in Christ, being a Christian, is a guarantee of persecution. It's a guarantee of difficulty. But with Christ at the center of your life, then it becomes stepping stones to the next best and greater thing. Oftentimes, you graduate one challenge to the next challenge, but those challenges over time become pages in the storybook that God is writing about your life, and you're going to look back one day, you're going to hand that story off, and people are going to be left with a testimony. Come on, somebody. So let's look at verse 11 real quick here. Verse 11 says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. This is something we don't talk about enough. Nobody wants to talk about the fear of God. Knowing the fear of God. Listen, I've got a burn on my hand. It's a, it was a second and a half degree burn. It was a nasty burn. I was making a delicious steak and I got that butter nice and hot. I got a little bit too hot and I threw some garlic in there and I threw some herbs in there and it, I just let it sizzle and sizzle because I, I wanted the flavor to get extracted. And so I grabbed this delicious steak and uh, 
I wanted to precisely just drop it in the pan. And when I did that, the oil splashed back on my wrist. I didn't really pay too much mind because you know what? When I was a kid, uh, it wasn't a good 4th of July unless you got a second degree burn somewhere somehow. So, uh, so I didn't really pay too much mind. I didn't realize in the moment the damage that the hot grease did to my arm. And it was, it was bad and it took several weeks to heal. And I'm still permanently scarred from it. When everybody comes in contact with things that they know the boundaries and they know the limitations. I should have known the boundaries and limitations of hot grease and fire. I'm old enough and smart enough to know to treat things with respect because I know what it's capable of doing if I do not uh, observe certain things within the intended boundaries. You see, uh, my kids know to stay away from fire because they know the potential damage it can it can do. See, fire under the right circumstances can make the most beautiful meal, but under the wrong circumstances can burn down forests, right? We see the fires in California. You see, we have to fear something to respect it. Uh, we have to fear something. I, I'm not a scared, I'm not scared of my stove. I don't fear my stove. I, I don't lay down at night going, oh man, I hope my, my stove doesn't like turn on. But when it's on, I know how to respect it. And we don't talk about fearing God enough. You can't truly respect and honor and love something that you first don't see the deep value and capability. We, we need to be a people who fear God. God's not my buddy that I slap on the back and slide a drink across the bar top and talk about Jesus being my friend. Yes, he is my friend, but every level of relationship, there's responsibility required. I'm not flipping about the love I have for my family. There's responsibility involved in relationship. And Paul's saying, knowing the fear of God, manifest, word manifest. I love this word manifest because it's, it's, it's a re revelation. My knowledge of God, which has been revealed to me, I turn around and make it my life's mission to make it manifest to other people. See, our message and passion is to convince others of the gospel that first comes from the fear of God and comes from the imminent recompense. Paul is motivated by the knowledge that there's an ultimate judgment coming. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Because a lot of times we're motivated to talk about God because your life stinks or somebody's life stinks or just in general, we know culture is just as society is just going down the toilet and or that's our perception at least that just life is awful. And so I, I want to inject hope into culture. So let me talk about the promises of God. But do you know that's not my ultimate motivation? Because life is going to be up and down. It's been happening since all of creation, since the history of the world. Life has been up and down. There's been times of war. There's been times of peace. There's been times of famine. There's been times of surplus. And so right now, culture does need to hear of the love of God. I get that. To the one cutting themselves, you need to know that you are valued, that God loves you, that you've got a purpose, that God formed you in your mother's womb. Even if your mother is no longer in the picture, you were formed with intention and life has tried to mess you up and has pushed you in a corner where you feel like the only way out is to take a razor to your wrist. I understand that you need to know that you are intentional that you're not an accident, that you're not DNA that just somehow wound up uh, just on planet Earth meandering around. You are intentionally, fearfully, wonderfully made. 
That message needs to be shouted from the mountaintops. But that's not the ultimate message. Paul's saying, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We're made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. He's wanting us to understand that God knows us plainly. And we must make who we are plainly to others because you cannot love what you first do not respect and you cannot respect what you do not fear. We fear because we recognize potential. When you look at God, do you recognize the potential of an almighty, holy, righteous God, God of all power, of all authority, the soon coming king, God is love, but God is also judge. So I'm motivated by that. I get nervous when I see these tattoos tattooed across people's foreheads that say, only God can judge me. Like That should terrify you. That God will judge the living and the dead. But that doesn't always sound like an uplifting uh, story. So let me say this. Here's the good news. I know the judge. The judge knows me. You can know the judge. The judge can know you. Yeah, I know. God knows humanity in general. I get that. But we are told plainly in Scripture that God wants to know us intimately. God wants to know you intimately. So that the fear of judgment is not the fear for yourself, but it becomes the fear for your friends and your neighbors because you know they may not be right with God. You might be right with God, but I'm afraid that I've got family and I've got friends that they're not right with God and that imminent knowledge of a soon coming judgment gets me moving a little bit. You want to be motivated to do things for God? You want to be motivated to get off your couch and start? You, You need to get to know God. Get to know him. Get to know him and begin to weep for your neighbors. Begin to weep for your friends. Uh, that this, this is, I'm talking to me right now. I, I need to begin to weep for people that I know they're not right with God and they're gonna have to stand before an almighty, righteous, holy, justified God that the only way out of that is by pointing at Christ and saying, uh, you're my answer. You, you, you're my vindicator. You're my only hope in this judgment. Now, I like what Paul says in verse 12 here. He says, we're not again commending ourselves to you, uh, but, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer to those who take pride in the appearance and not in the heart. Commending ourselves. So listen, we're not doing this for reputation's sake. Uh, I'm doing this because I want to equip you with a response. You know, if there's any outward expression or appearance of Christianity, it's for your own sake because our Christian activity It stems from the revelation of God. Our expression should empower and spur others on towards Christ. How are you spurring other people on in your day-to-day life? How are are you spurring other people on towards their pursuit, towards their mission, towards their goal? But can I tell you, I, I know that I have spurred people on in the wrong direction. I have spurred people on towards hatred because of the way I've treated them. I've spurred people on towards bitterness because of the way I've treated them. I have spurred people on towards all sorts of ungodly, unrighteous things in my former days when I wasn't serving the Lord. By my fruit, I was known I wasn't living right. There is something in me now that I find wants to spur people on in the proper direction because I want them to know the goodness of God. I, 
I don't do things because I want to be known. I don't do things because I want to be famous. I don't do things because I, I want some type of a reputation. I already know me. <laughs> Apart from Christ, there's not really much you want to know about me. I'm boring. I'm not funny. I'm not the, the sharpest crayon in the box. I know my weaknesses and I know my limitations. I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. All I'm saying is I know me. And uh, I can, you can find better company. I'm a work in progress. I know me. But I also know Christ in me. And I know the God who raised me up from death and has put me on a path to life. So now I got a reason to get around you. Now, now I've got a reason. See, I know my reason. I know my purpose. It's, it took me a long time to discover this. But if I'm getting around you, I better be showing you Christ. Uh, I'm not there to just talk about sports. I don't even know that much about sports. But I'm not there to talk about just sports and facts. And well, that was a great conversation. Did I impact you eternally in any way? What about you? The time that you spend with other people. What are you really accomplishing? Are you there to commend yourself or are you impacting other people? I like verse 13. Verse 13 says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. What kind of language is that? Paul saying, if I look like I'm out of my mind, well, that's between me and God. You know, based on the things that Paul was doing and this radical transformation that he went from persecutor to, to patriarch, uh, you know, people probably had a hard time trying to figure this guy out. You remember when you read the Bible or you hear a Bible story, you're, you're, you know the whole story typically. You, you, know, you know the whole process, right? But for those that were living with Paul, they didn't, know that, they didn't know his end game in that moment. And they're like, Paul, what is going on with you? You went from persecutor? You, you, are you out of your mind? And Paul's like, you know what? That's between me and God. But if my practice and my passion and my expression looks weird to the world. Well, listen, don't get caught up in passing judgment. Listen, there's people that they want to raise their hands, wave their hands, roll around on the, on the altar, speak in tongues. Um, they have their very expressions. That's between them and God. If they look like they're out of their mind, why is that, why is that your business? Are you a psychologist? Why, why are you up in their business? Well, if they believe that they've got a relationship with the Lord, if they're professing Christ and you just think that you need them to express their faith the way you express their faith, then you're, you're, you're climbing up the wrong tree. You're, you're, you're working after the wrong thing. Paul said, if I look like I'm out of my mind, just leave me be. This is between me and the Lord. However, there's got to be a relatable, practical, and purposeful uh, expression of my faith. Otherwise, it becomes a selfish expression. It, let me say it again. If, if my relationship with God makes me look crazy, then I've got a responsibility to make sure that as I'm serving my Lord and my King and my Master and I'm going to church and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm being a Christian, that there is some practicality and relatability because my motivation is that to be right with God is to lead others down a path that they themselves will get right with God. So I pray for my motivation, that it will be the right motivation. There is activity for God and then there's activity for you. But the purpose of the activity is to point others back to the cross. So the question is, when you get caught up in stuff, when you start acting out your faith, why are you doing it? So Paul is building up an argument here. It's not even an argument. He's just building up his statement because he wants to help people focus on the duality of our faith. Because, uh, you know, our faith isn't just for us, it's for others. 
Because there's a mission involved to your relationship with God. There's more involved, there's more at stake. Has anyone ever told you that? Has anyone ever told you that in this culture where we just look out for ourselves, that there's more at stake in life than just you? That what you do matters. That's good news. That's hopeful. I want to tell you that what you do matters. You matter. You matter. And what you do potentially has eternal impact. That's good news. But with that good news, there comes a responsibility. There comes a charge to let you know that we better be impacting in the right way. So I pray for motivation that I'll be right with God. And I recognize that there's activity that's for God. And then there's activity for others. But the purpose of my activity should always be to point you back to the cross. I want to sit on verse 14. This is the root and the reason of this message and this conversation. Paul is telling me for the love of Christ controls. I like that statement. The love of Christ controls. You know, If you have a different translation, the word that you're going to see is compelled. That's more accurate. Controlled, yes, I know, but controlled gives the idea that somebody climbed in and is driving me. But the word compel, there's a magnetism to being compelled. I'm compelled. Something on the inside of me pushes and something on the outside pulls me. I am drawn by the love of for God, because this is the conclusion. Jesus died once for all. What does that mean? But my Christian service is based on Christ as my foundation. This is where your purpose lies. Are you compelled by your love for Christ? See, if your purpose in life is to meet the needs of people, my, 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 my friends, you're going to get burnt. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get used up. You're going to feel like you you can't meet everyone's needs. If your purpose is based on getting a particular response from somebody, like let me give this money and maybe they'll get their life in order. Let me have this talk with somebody. Maybe it'll make an impact. Can I tell you, if you're looking to do something based on a particular response, are they receptive? Are they grateful? You're going to get hurt. You're going to struggle with bitterness. You're going to feel ineffective. If your purpose is based solely on people, then you're never going to feel content or feel a sense of fulfillment because people people are people I'm a people I have the potential to manipulate and to disappoint and to use I know me and I know humanity I'm not that weird that I'm not that different that I think we share the common traits so I know that if I make people my center then I'm gonna feel useless but hear me but if Christ is the center If, as Paul said, I'm compelled to do out of my love for Christ, then you can live a life of joy and contentment and and fulfillment and, and, and validation because your approval doesn't lie in another person's perception or reception. It relies on what God says about you and what the word of God says about you and who the Bible says you are. So here's the conclusion. Everything that I do, Everything that we do. If it's not right rooted in Christ, hear me. 
If you're not rooted in Jesus, you're rooted in yourself. If it's not for his glory, it's for your own glory. Christ's reality, it moves me from living from myself to living for him. Truly making the Jesus, truly making Jesus at the center of it all. You guys know that song? Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the ends, it will always be you, Jesus. Jesus at the center. It's not easy to take yourself out of the center. It's not easy to recalibrate your life. It's not easy to, to, to move along in the journey, to go through schooling and to get involved in ministry, only to find that at this point in your life, at this, at this juncture, you may have been doing it without Jesus at the center. I hear the Father say, it's time to start back at one. Go back to the last place when you last heard his voice. Make him the center of it all. You got to ask these questions. Why is the church here? Is the church a platform for you? I have to ask myself that. Is the church a platform for me? Why are are the various ministries? Is it for you to exercise some gift? Or is it for, for you to exercise your love for him? Are you compelled? Why are you here? What we do, it's got to come from a place of making Christ known. This is what makes us foolish and weird in the world's eyes. But this is what makes the eternal impact and the eternal purpose. Would you be willing to start back at one? Would you, would, would, would you challenge yourself in this moment? Go, God, maybe, maybe I haven't had you at the center where you ought to be. I need to start back at one. Take me back. Take me back. The, the reset button, it can be hit. He can hit reset. That's, that's an act of grace and mercy. Did you know that? It's not a failure. We, we do sometimes get do-overs. And even if you feel like, well, listen, my marriage, I've already faced three divorces. There's no going back. I've crossed the line. Uh, my life has gone in a certain direction. I'm already dealing with addiction. I'm already dealing with the challenges of life right now. What do you mean reset? There's no going back. Uh, I've already got pregnant out of wedlock. What do you mean? There's no reset button. Can I tell you? There's always a new beginning when there's a tomorrow. And today is yesterday's tomorrow. So there's a new beginning right now. Anybody can hit reset because every breath that you take in is opportunity for difference for change, for newness, for new life. The God of the impossible can do the impossible in your life. You think it's hopeless. You think there's no way to turn the ship around. You think there's no way to start back at one. I'm here to tell you, God can hit the reset in your mark. Yeah, it might look different. It might not be what you expected and what you thought. But anytime you come in contact with hope, you come in contact with opportunity. And anytime you come in contact with opportunity, you come in contact with the potential for a changed destiny. God would call you out into a newness and a new destiny today. Let me pray pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, to the, those listening to the sound of my voice right now, I don't know where they are in this juncture, in this journey of life, but you do. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters what your word says. And your word says, I've come to give life and life more abundant. I've come to bring hope. I've come to bring you peace. I've come to give you new life. God, you can start us back at one, even if we feel like there's no turning back. Yeah. Even if we're listening to this in prison, there's opportunity. Somehow you can, you can hit that reset button. You can make anything new. 
You can make our lives new. Even to the one right now in the sound of my voice, you think you've committed the unpardonable sin. Let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't out your day of grace if you turn to the master. Would you turn to Christ, Lord, to the one right now that would receive you? I pray that you would fill them up with your presence, with your power, transform and change their life. Make them new in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I pray you were encouraged, enriched, and inspired to chase after God. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why don't you take a minute and share it? Let's encourage each other with God's word. And remember, if you do not have a church to attend, we invite you to visit us at Garden City Church. We're located at 140 Bridge Street in Beverly, Massachusetts, and we meet in the Emmanuel Congregational Church building. If you need prayer or an encouragement, I invite you to email me at pastor at Garden City Church church.net or you can visit me online at aaronrios.com or any social media outlet hey till next time keep pressing on towards christ god bless you